If we want to show compassion to our children through the shared act of cooking and eating together, it might be helpful for us to be on the lookout for opportunities to involve our children in this activity. What can they do? What can we assign to our children? What can they contribute to this activity so that we can enjoy the connection that naturally occurs from spending time in the kitchen together? That is on this episode of Cooking is Connecting. Welcome to Cooking is Connecting. I'm Chef Kibby, a biological foster and adoptive dad who struggled for years wondering why my parenting wasn't creating stronger attachments between me and my kids. This is a show about harnessing the inherent trust-building power of cooking and eating together with our children as a method to overcome the negative effects of trauma on the mind, body, soul, and relationships. Because while trauma is disruptive, cooking is connecting. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by cookingisconnecting.com. That is the place where you can find all the resources that I mentioned in this episode and so much more. Also, if you're getting some value out of today's episode, I would love it if you would leave a review wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. Even if it's not a five-star review, I would love to know how I can better serve you and help to encourage you on your way to building stronger, deeper, more meaningful connections with the children in your life. And now, on with today's episode. Today's a really special episode of the podcast because not only are we continuing this series on compassion, but I feel like we're starting to get into the part of the Cooking is Connecting mindset where we're really starting to get practical. A lot of the things that I've shared in previous episodes of the podcast have been mindset shifts. And while those are incredibly important, I think it's, it's important to have the right mindset when approaching this time in the kitchen because too often it is too easy for us to bring our own baggage into interactions with our children. And I think that's been part of the problem for me for many years is that in creating opportunities to be with my children, while spending time with my kid is a good thing, too often, I can continue to just bring my own bad habits and bad parenting skills or styles into those interactions, and so I'm not getting the full benefit that could come about. And so I hope that you've already listened to the previous episodes of the podcast. If you hadn't, that's okay. You can go ahead and listen to this one in its entirety and then go back and binge the others later. What we want to do right now, today is to talk about how we can be proactive in looking for opportunities, to be on the lookout for ways that we can invite our children into the kitchen. Now, the first way that we can be on the lookout is just from a standpoint of scheduling. Scheduling time with our kiddos in the kitchen is a very helpful way to be able to have a predictable time to know you're going to be able to spend this time with your child in the kitchen. Now, that's that's not to say that there may come times, and this is the case for me many times, that I could be in the kitchen and I'm in the middle of something. Uh, like yesterday, for example, I was in the kitchen and I was getting ready to, uh, to cook off some potatoes that I was going to use for some cheesy potatoes. And I looked at all these potatoes and I said, I don't have to be the one scrubbing these. I can have my kiddos do it. 
Not to mention the fact that I knew that the that the peels on the potatoes I I wasn't going to use. If they didn't get perfectly scrubbed, that's okay. It was just looking at this opportunity to say, hey, I don't have to do this. I can ask one of my children to come in and do it for me, and better yet, do it with me so that we can take advantage of that connecting activity. Not to mention it's a sensory experience, and kids love sensory experiences, whether they have sensory processing issues or not. It's just fun to get in the water and to scrub and to feel and uh, to soak in it. It can be a very relaxing activity. And so that's the kind of mindset that I want to encourage you to get into. And that can come in a couple of different ways. Like I said, it can happen kind of spare the moment, just being open to the idea that something you are in the process of doing could be an, an, an invitation for one of your children. Or you can be proactive about it and making it a regularly scheduled routine. Kids love routine. Kids benefit from routine. Kids need to have that predictability in their lives because it helps to reduce the anxiety that they experience. Of course, we can't predict everything in our lives and we can't plan everything in our lives. But if we make it a regular habit of creating maybe one night a week when our children know that is going to be the time to to cook together, it can be very helpful. And it obviously is very helpful in making it more of a regular practice that could spill out into other days throughout the week. But that is the one of the first compassionate things that you can do in being on the lookout for opportunities is to, first of all, be on the lookout for openings in your schedule between your different activities like dance and 4-H and karate and gymnastics and all of these other things to say, ooh, look at that. Monday, there is nothing going on that night. Let us make that cooking with with kiddos night, okay? That is going to help you so much to create that habit, not only for them, but also for you. That creates that uh, neural pathway in your mind to say, this is something I'm going to plan to do. And it gives you that breathing room so that as you're coming up to, to, let's say, Monday night, you can be already on the lookout for those activities that you can be inviting your children to do when the time comes. Now, when the time does come, what are some activities that children can do? Obviously, some of this depends on the recipe, which we'll get to here in just a little bit. And hopefully, if you were listening already, those of you that are in the clubhouse room have already heard this. But listening to this recording on the podcast, I want to encourage you, if you are in your home, I want to encourage you to be somewhere close to the kitchen because we are going to be doing an activity together in just a little while. And I'm going to be participating in it too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trust me. And an interactive podcast. It's the future, right? <laughs> okay, so what are some things that kids can do? Well, there are some things that are non-food related or, or non-cooking related that your children can very easily do. The first of which it may seem kind of silly at first, but to think about it, have your children help you gather your mise en place. I'm, I'm sorry. I got into a little bit of culinary terminology that many of my listeners may not be familiar with. But mise en place is a French term. We use a lot of French terms in cooking. I know that's a really bad French accent, but you know me. I like to make voices. Mise en place is a French term that's used around classical cooking and French cooking that means everything in its place. And so mise en place is basically the things that you need to have in its place so that you're ready to cook. That 
oftentimes means ingredients. You know, you need the food, <laughs> the, the, the meat and potatoes and vegetables and fruits and spices and um, seasonings and all of those things. That's part of your mise en place. And those are things you can have your kiddos do. And there's such great advantage and, and benefit to asking your children to help you gather up the ingredients. First of all, it's one less thing that you have to do. Because <laughs> I don't know about you. We have a big house. We have a four generation household. And so some of our ingredients are in the fridge, in the freezer, and in the pantry area in our kitchen. But some of them are in a pantry that is kind of off the side of the kitchen in the laundry room. So we have a kind of a secondary pantry. And here downstairs, where I'm sitting in the basement recording this podcast, we have kind of another refrigerator and freezer because. Again, we have four generations here. We try to shop once a week, and so we need to have a lot of cold storage. That's not to mention the deep freeze in the garage, the deep freeze down the hill in the barn. We, we have so many freezers. It's, it's crazy. I know. But hey, when there's red stickers at Aldi, we can take full advantage. So, <laughs> so there's that. But, so having your children gather up the ingredients for the food, first of all, helps to teach them what food is. You know, what is an onion? What does it look like? What is flour? What container? What packaging is it, is it in? Is it something that's kept in the refrigerator? Is it something kept in the freezer? Is it something kept in the pantry? Is it something kept out on the counter? So nowhere, knowing where to find things, knowing what things look like, knowing what they're packaged in, and knowing how they're stored helps them to understand kind of what these different ingredients are and how they interact. And so there's a lot of education that comes about in this process. And I mean, you could have a three or four year old do this kind of stuff. I know when we're making granola here at the house, I can just say, hey, kids, we're making granola. And they'll just shoot out like like rats from the aqueduct. <laughs> and they'll just go to this pantry and that pantry and the fridge and, and they'll know where to find all the ingredients and they'll just bring them to me. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> but the other part of the mise en place is the equipment. So things like pots and pans and utensils and sheet trays, uh, cutting boards, aprons, maybe not the knives, unless you keep your knives in in uh, the plastic sheaths like I do in my in my knife drawer, which I talked about in the knife skills class, which you can find on my website. So those are all things that your children can gather up as well. And again, it helps them to identify and put names to things, to understand the difference between, you know, a mixing spoon and a spatula and a rubber scraper and this type of mixing bowl versus that, and a baking sheet versus a baking pan or a roasting pan. So understanding the nomenclature of all these things, along with knowing where things are stored. Another benefit to that, as I'm thinking about it, is that another activity that your children can be involved in is washing dishes and putting away dishes. Uh, loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher. And so it's helpful for your children to know where to find these things so that when they are washed, they'll know where to, to put them after they're done. That way you're not finding the mixing bowls with the baking sheets or finding the measuring cups with the cutting boards. You know, that can, that can really slow things down in your process of, of cooking. And those are important practices for our children to learn that have implications far outside of the kitchen. Perfect example I can think of this morning. 
I was taking my kiddo out for a walk with the dog, and she didn't have her gloves. And I asked, well, why don't you have your gloves? And she said, I didn't know where they were. I asked, well, did you put them back where they belong? And she just kind of sheepishly looked away as she looked at the sheep. (laughs) So having our children understand where things belong helps them to understand the benefit of putting things back where they belong. And wouldn't you love it if your children understood that? So this is just another way to reinforce that. Okay, so we have gathering ingredients, we have gathering up the other mise en place, the utensils and things you need for cooking, and then if, and uh, washing dishes and putting dishes away. Those are other activities that children can do, no matter what the recipe. Along with that, setting the table. Setting the table with the, the, the plates and napkins and silverware, helping to explain that with this particular meal, we're going to be having... Uh, we're going to be having salad, and so we need to bring out the salad bowls, or if we're having soup, to understand where to find the soup bowls and where to place these things on the plates or on the on the table. Benefits to that is that it is pattern recognition. Setting the table is all about creating patterns, and creating patterns is the foundation for mathematics. Now, that's some of those items that aren't necessarily directly related to cooking. But I want to give you some practical advice as to how to be looking for opportunities to involve your children in the cooking process as well. Because this can be very intimidating, because we often assume that getting our children involved in cooking means handing them a sharp knife or putting them in front of a hot pan. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There are a lot of other things that children can do, and I would encourage you to, to be curious and to, um, well, first of all, be curious about your children, to understand kind of where they are mentally, physically, as far as their, their body awareness and recognition as to how they can control themselves, to be able to understand what sort of tasks you can assign to them. And we'll get more to the actual assigning process as we get into the second area of the mindset framework of direction. So I don't want to get too far into that, but just looking for those opportunities. And today I want to give you a little bit of an exercise as to how we can do that because it is so simple to find these opportunities if you just know uh, for what you are looking. So I actually have, and I encourage you to do the same thing right now as you're listening to this podcast. If you're in your home and you're close to your kitchen, I want you to go to your cupboard or or your bookshelf or wherever it is you keep your cookbooks. You still have cookbooks, right? I know I do. I don't use them as often as I used to. Uh, because of the interwebs, but I still have cookbooks and I still use them from time to time. So let's go to your cookbooks and I want you to pull a random cookbook off the shelf. It doesn't matter which one. Okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the same thing. Okay. Hold on. Okay. So the book I have in front of me is called Perfect Pasta, a collection of over 100 essential recipes. I'll see if I can put the links in the show notes. Just for, you know, just for kicks and giggles. Okay, so it's an older cookbook. It's all about pastas. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shuffle through the pages here, and I'm going to let you hear. I'm going to actually literally, I'm going to, you hear that? Okay, so we're going to find, all right, so we're going to find a page in this cookbook, okay, just so I can demonstrate, okay? Uh, Let's see, here we go. Uh, Okay, here we go. Page 96. These are seafood recipes. Ooh, fun. We have 
congeli with smoked salmon, sour cream, and mustard sauce. Oh, that sounds amazing. We're totally going to make this. I haven't, I haven't been into this cookbook in a long time. Okay, so we have our mise en place. Our ingredients include the pasta, the, uh, the congeli, or the uh, tagliatelle. I'm sorry, there's more accents there. Uh, we have sour cream, Dijon mustard, scallions, also known as green onions, smoked salmon, which it says is cut into bite-sized pieces, which I don't know where you get your smoked salmon, but where I get it, it doesn't come already cut into bite-sized pieces. So they're actually sneaking a little bit of the preparation process into the ingredients. It's a little sleight of hand that a lot of recipe writers do. We have finely grated rind of half a lemon. I, I can only buy whole lemons. I don't know about you, but we're in this recipe, they're just using half of one. Then we have a fresh cracked pepper and a couple tablespoons of fresh chives. Okay, so first things first, what is something that our kiddos can do in this? Well, we've already covered that. They can find the ingredients. They can go to the cupboard and find the pasta. They can go to the, the drawer in the refrigerator and find the, the scallions and the lemons and the chives. They can go to the pantry and find the, the Dijon mustard, uh, find the smoked salmon in the refrigerator. So all of those things they can gather up. Then we have the other mise en place that needs to be brought together. If you're going to be cooking pasta, you're going to need some sort of a, a pot to, to fill with water. You're going to need a strainer or a colander. And again, there, you might have different sizes of colanders and strainers. And so you can talk with your, your kiddo about which size might be the most appropriate for this recipe. Uh, then you have, let's see, scallions finely chopped and chives finely chopped. That might not be something that your kiddo can do, but maybe eventually. Um, those are things that are really easy to cut, and you can you don't have to use like a big chef's knife or a cleaver to do it. You can use a small knife, like a, a utility knife. So that could be a great starter activity. Uh, let's see, a smoked salmon cut into bite-sized pieces. That is something that a that a younger child might do. Maybe not your four to five-year-olds, but as you get into your eight or eight to ten-year-olds, um, because smoked salmon is already very, very soft and easy for the knife to penetrate, having items like that, un that unlike you know celery and carrots and onions, where it's very, very firm, softer items like this are great opportunities for you to get your kiddos practicing their pencil grip and their bear claw, which, again, part of the knife skills course, link in the show notes, to get them acclimated to how to properly handle knives. Uh, grating lemon. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> uh, great. I'm sorry. That was another food pun. That is something that a child could potentially do. Uh, teaching them how to use a grater, such as a microplane zester, would be perfect for this sort of activity. Then you have the cooking of the pasta. They could Fill up the pot with water. Have them put that heavy pinch of salt into the water and then bring it up to a boil. Um, maybe you can help them. If they're not ready to be right there in front of the flame, you can have them, after you've strained out the pasta, to have them rinse it off because that, that kind of that hot steam coming off of the pasta, you want to rinse off some of that loose starch off of the pasta after it cooks. And then let's see, uh, mixing up some of the ingredients together, like the sour cream and mustard and scallions and smoked salmon. You can you can have them mix that all together in a bowl. So that, again, there's a lot of things you can have your kiddo do if you just know what to look for. Was that fun? I enjoyed that. Let's find another book. All right, let's see. All right, what else we got here? Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, 
here is the complete book of tapas and Spanish cooking. I've probably shared this on other episodes of the podcast, but it bears repeating that my family, my wife's family, spent many years in Spain as missionaries overseas. And so being able to make authentic Spanish cooking at home has given me a lot of joy and as another sort of uh, opportunity for connection that we can offer to our children. Again, I will be leaving that for a later episode because that gets into um, inspiration, which is the the fifth of our five mindset pillars in the cooking is connecting mindset. Okay, so Spanish cooking. Let's see what we can find here. All right, we're... Going through the pages. Let's see what we got here. Oh, oh, of course. Paella. Paella is a a classic Spanish meal. And there's a lot of flexibility and creativity in it, which I love recipes like that, where there's a lot of different things you can do with it. You don't have to be stuck following the recipe specifically. You can use whatever's in season or whatever your family happens to, to enjoy and um, just use the, the technique. But let's take a look at some of these different things here. So we have onion, garlic, chorizo, squid, bell pepper, tomatoes, chicken stock, white wine, of course the paella rice. You have uh, frozen peas, prawns, mussels, clams. Anyway, there's so many different things you can, you can throw into this pot, and it's absolutely delicious. So again, another opportunity for your child to be exposed to and know where to find a variety of different ingredients. You have things like onions and garlic, which you will keep in the pantry somewhere. You'll have a lot of potentially fresh, uh, refrigerated, or perhaps frozen um, seafood such as, well, you have your chorizo, which in this case, we're talking about Spanish chorizo, which is more of a hard sausage as opposed to the uh, Mexican chorizo, which is more of a ground sausage. Uh, Let's see. So you have, uh, where was it? Oh, the prawns and mussels and clams that you might have either fresh or frozen. Uh, Incidentally, uh, my my kiddos, especially my, my youngest, really loves mussels. I mean, not like mussels, like mussels, but like the seafood mussels. We've been able to find them at Aldi. Aldi, my friends, it's a great place to shop. Okay. Um, Rice kept in the pantry, uh, peas in the freezer. You can have fresh bell peppers and tomatoes, perhaps either kept in the fridge or in the pantry. So lots of different things here. Um, Again, an opportunity to expose your child to a, a lot of different ingredients at once. Um, let's see, what can we have them do? You can have them, um, wash the produce. That's another great thing that you can have your child do to rinse off things like bell peppers and tomatoes, um, that you've gotten fresh from the grocery store. You can have them rinse it off. Again, there's not a whole lot that they could do wrong (laughs) as far as that's concerned. And you could do that as well with other fresh ingredients, other fresh produce, uh, celery, carrots, uh, zucchini, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Potatoes. Like I said, there's all sorts of different types of potatoes. And you can have your children um, wash them off in the, the sink under cold running water as a part of the process. Uh, not a lot of other things that they could do here because this is actually a pretty easy recipe. All you have to do is a little bit of chopping and slicing and mostly just gathering up ingredients and knowing how to add them in the proper time. That's the, that's the key to paella is knowing how to make those layers of flavor. So very similar to risotto in that way. Very practical, um, flexible dish. A lot of things you can do with that. So So there you have it. Let's do one final recipe here just as an example. Let's see. Uh, what else we got here? 
Uh, let's see, what book is this? Ooh, Japanese cooking. I've shared with you uh, elsewhere that I'm a big fan of Japanese cooking ever since I went to Japan when I was 15 years old and not knowing that many years later I would be the chef for the Japanese executives at Honda. So that's a kind of cool thing that happened in my life. And so uh, Japanese cooking is very near and dear to my heart. And being able to share that passion with my kiddos has been a lot of fun. So let's see what I can find in this particular uh, Japanese cookbook by Eime Kazuko. Miso soup. Ah, yes. Here's another great example of, well, first of all, just gathering ingredients. So knowing where to find the wakame, which you might not even know what wakame is. <laughs> uh, it's um, So finding, finding the dry seaweed, find the uh, dashi no moto or the uh, hondashi, which is the Japanese fish broth, miso paste, scallions, uh, shichimi takarashi, which is a, a Japanese seven spice you'd find up in the in the um, the place where you keep all the seasonings, you know, the spice drawer or the spice rack, wherever it is. For some reason, this recipe doesn't include tofu. And I think that's one of the great things about miso soup and making miso soup is that it involves tofu, which very similar to what I was mentioning earlier with the smoked salmon. Tofu is very soft. It's easy to get a knife through it. It's as easy as putting a knife, a hot knife through butter, is putting any sort of a sharp knife through tofu. So that is another ingredient that if you're intentional about wanting to teach your child about how to handle a knife, finding ways of incorporating tofu into your meal. Now, I know what some of you are probably saying right now, tofu, ew, how can I possibly incorporate that into a meal, let alone want my kid, get my kids to want to eat it? Well, two things. One, if they handled it, if they're the ones that are slicing and dicing and cutting it, they have a vested interest in wanting to eat it. So you have that to your advantage. Second thing, surprisingly enough, all of my kiddos love miso soup. And you know as well as I do that there are those opportunities when we have a dish that all of our children like and will ask for seconds of, those come few and far between. So I'm really excited that I have this recipe in in my portfolio. So again, miso, or, or uh, not miso, but the uh, tofu, which is another soy-based product, is a great ingredient to incorporate and to, to look for recipes that include it because it's a great place to start getting your children acclimated with knives. Then again, Understanding these really unique ingredients that you don't get to see every day, things like dried seaweed and hondashi broth and uh, togarashi and then miso paste, which is so delicious. It has that salty umami that adds so much flavor to a dish. So understanding what these ingredients are and how they're added to the dish to create this amazing flavor. And um, the wakame in particular is actually really fun. This is a fun dish for kiddos to be involved in, to have, to have them just take a little pinch of this dried seaweed and to drop it into the soup and watch it just come back to life. It is such a fascinating thing. I love doing this in my cooking classes for, for kiddos to make this kind of soup because the dried seaweed, if you've never seen it, it's really, I mean, it, it just shrivels up into this dark little mangly little it looks like nothing. It looks like pencil shavings almost. But then when you put it in water and let it soak, it 
it just comes back to life. And it just looks like seaweed that had just come out of the ocean. And it just has this delicious kind of salty, I mean, it just tastes like the ocean in a, in a very good way. Not like you're surfing and taking a bunch of of sandy salt water. No, it's it's very, very good. And it's just fun. And we want food to be fun. That's part of the compassion that we want to have for our children is creating these opportunities of fun and connection with our children. So, I mean, that's just three random recipes from three random cookbooks I pulled off the shelf. And I know that I am a chef. And I know that I have far more experience than than perhaps you do in the kitchen. But I guarantee that if you were to challenge yourself right now or later on today to go through your cookbooks, to pull the cookbook out, or it doesn't have to be random, find one of your favorite recipes that you love making and look at it through this lens to say, which of these items can I assign to my children? Can I have my kiddos help me gather up the ingredients or perhaps find the equipment or set the table? or wash the produce, or maybe even do a little bit of knife work. There are things that your children can do if you just allow yourself to be on the lookout for these opportunities. I hope you enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun doing it, and I certainly want to find opportunities for me to incorporate more practical, fun, and interactive things we can do together through this virtual medium of listening to a podcast or and more interactive medium of joining me either on the Clubhouse app, which I am on right now, or in my Discord channel, which doesn't have to be live. There are conversations happening 24 hours a day on the Discord channel, and you can come and go as is convenient for your schedule. It's a great way for you to join me in this community, to share your wins, to share your questions, and so we can support and encourage one another through this desire that you and I share of wanting to be better parents, to be more present, more attuned to the needs of our children, and to give ourselves the opportunity to take the compassion that we already have for our children and to express it in a new way through the shared act of cooking and eating together with them that is going to be more receptive by them because food is such an embodied experience and is such a powerful way for you to express trust, felt safety, connection, and compassion for your child. I hope that you've been encouraged by this. And I want to know, after you've listened to this podcast, I want to know what recipe it was that you found. And I want to know in that recipe, what was it that you found? What one, two, or three items or activities did you find in that recipe that you could give to your child to do? I want you to share that with me. If you want to do it personally, you can do so by emailing me at podcast at cookingisconnecting.com. If you want to share it out to the world so that other people can be encouraged and inspired by this activity, please do so on social media channels and be sure to tag me on Instagram or Facebook or use the hashtag cookingisconnecting. I am so grateful that you are a part of this community and that you are finding value from the insights that I am sharing with you. If that is the case, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because there's more great content to come. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, I'll see you in the kitchen. 
The Cooking is Connecting podcast is a Cooking with Kibby production. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. The theme song for this show is Fostering Joy, written and performed by me, Chef Kibby. For more information about how you can connect with your kids in the kitchen, please visit my website, cookingisconnecting.com. Mm-hmm.